Hi, this is Ananda, President of the Hare Krishna Community near Washington, D.C. What follows is a Sunday talk recorded at our temple. Every Sunday we invite the public for meditation, a talk, and a vegetarian lunch. We'd love for you to join us. More information is available at iskonofdc.org. That's I-S-K-C-O-N of D-C dot org. Thanks, and I hope you enjoy the talk. Hare Krishna. So in the, uh, in the various scriptures that relate to the practice of devotional service, or bhakti, there are many, many different elements that are given. Uh, there's the, the book called The Nectar of Instruction, the Upadeshamrita, where it immediately mentions there's you know, six things that we should do and six things we should avoid. Uh, in uh, The Nectar of Devotion, the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindha, there's 64 different elements that are mentioned in our practice of bhakti. When, uh, when people take initiation into the tradition, they make five promises. And so sometimes it can be, there's, it seems like a lot's going on, and all these things are relevant and valuable. But from one important perspective, we can reduce everything down to one thing. That bhakti is all about one thing. And so, the, so the, the title of the talk is The One Thing That Krishna Wants From Us. Well, let's, we'll come to that. We're going to start out first with things he doesn't want or doesn't care about so much. Let's start here. So, first of all, it's not about stuff. That's, not, well, that's one thing it's not about. That's not what he wants from us. And in the, uh, the in Srila Prabhupada, he, in, in a lecture on the Srimad Bhagavatam, he says, Similarly, what can we offer to Krishna? Everything belongs to Krishna. And if in the store of Krishna there are millions and millions of tons of fruits and flour, if you take one or two of them and offer to Krishna, so what is Krishna's loss? And if you offer one fruit to Krishna, what is his gain? This is he already has everything. And then in, in, the, in the purport to the Chapter 7, text 10 of the Bhagavad Gita, Prabhupada says, Therefore, originally, Krishna is the source of everything. He is the root. Krishna, being the original root of all things, maintains everything in this material manifestation, and he alone is maintaining all life. Prabhupada's referring to this uh, verse he likes from the Upanishads, where he says that Krishna is the supreme eternal being amongst all eternal beings, and he's providing everything else all the needs of all the other beings. So what can you give to Krishna that he doesn't have? He's actually everything you have, you're receiving from him already. And then in, in the Srimad Bhagavatam purport, Prabhupada says, the Lord is always served in the Vaikuntha Loka, that's his planet, in the spiritual world, by many hundreds and thousands of goddesses of fortune. In this material world, one is glorified if he is favored even a pinch by the goddess of fortune. So we can simply imagine how glorified is the kingdom of God in the spiritual world. So goddess of fortune, Lakshmi Devi. So it says people worship Lakshmi Devi, and if they get just a little bit of, he prophesies says, just a pinch of her favor, they can become quite wealthy. He says Krishna is served by hundreds and thousands of them, fully at his service. So what can he lack? So what can we give to Krishna? So it's not about stuff. 
if we offer it to Krishna, it's already his to begin with, and he has much more than we can offer. Okay? So Krishna has the stuff part covered. He's got plenty of stuff. No problem. So he's not looking for stuff from us. And that's not his main thing. So secondly, it's not about doing awesome things. We may think to gain Krishna's attention, we may have to do something extraordinary. Krishna is God and we're just small beings, so maybe we have to really distinguish ourselves by doing something really extraordinary. And then Krishna may notice us. But uh, Krishna says, it's in the, uh, the Srimad Bhagavatam, this is Krishna, I believe, speaking here, in the 11th canto, this part of the Uddhava Gita, 11th canto, he says, uh, even though one engages with great endeavor in the mystic yoga system, philosophical speculation, charity, vows, penances, ritualistic sacrifices, teaching of Vedic mantras to others, personal study of the Vedas, or the renounced order of life, still one cannot achieve me. So they, all these things, is a great endeavor. Hmm? So Krishna is not so impressed. Hmm? Why? Because Krishna is, is, is called Urukrama. And Prabhupada says, one of the Lord's names is Urukrama, or one whose actions are very wonderful and are beyond the imagination of the living being. Hmm? And then he says, the word Urukrama indicates the Supreme Personality of Godhead, who by his external potency has perfectly created innumerable universes. And then he's omnipotent. I guess we can really sum it up. Krishna is, is omnipotent. All right? So he says, the omnipotent Lord by his different energies can perform anything and everything he likes. So Krishna has awesome things covered too. He doesn't need us to do awesome things. He's already awesome enough. How can he be impressed by something that we do extraordinary? So he's not looking for us to do tremendous things either. That's not his focus. And then also we may think that we have to be awesome in order to please Krishna. But it's not about being awesome either. We find out that Krishna says, uh, this is uh, from a lecture on the Srimad Bhagavatam that Srila Prabhupada gave. He says, because when one is pious, he gets birth in very rich family, in pious family. And when one is not pious, he gets an impious family, poor family. That is according to karma. But Krishna says that even though one is born in impious family, Papa Yoni, he can also come to him. Krishna does not say, only persons who are born in pious families, rich families, he will come to me. No. So Krishna consciousness is open for everyone. Because it's understood that, that we, we take birth in a certain position because of our past karma. And so if we were very pious and, and well-behaved people, we will take birth in such a family and have those qualities still that will carry over from our past life. That's, that's why he's talking about the family birth. We'll have good qualities. And it says usually it takes, to make progress in spiritual life, it takes a certain amount of character. You have to have this ability to have self-control. You have to have a certain inner satisfaction if you really want to progress in spiritual life. 
Otherwise, we're simply reacting to the things around us. We can't have any integrity. And you have to have some level of self-control and sobriety to act in any kind of concerted, integrated way. And so that's required usually in, in spiritual life. So usually, it says, for people who are advancing very, 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 very uh, far, they have to be very, very, you know, it says in the mode of goodness, very, very good people. It's usually required. But here he's saying, doesn't matter, you can, you can please Krishna. You can come from, you can be in any condition. Anyone, he says, is open to anyone. And in the, in the purport to Bhagavad Gita 9.32, he says, It is clearly declared here by the Supreme Lord that in devotional service there is no distinction between the lower or higher classes of people. Everyone is eligible for the supreme destination. Therefore, devotional service and guidance of a pure devotee are so strong that there is no discrimination between the lower and higher classes of men. Anyone can take to it. So you don't have to be awesome. Krishna doesn't require you to be awesome. You can be anyone. In fact, because he is so awesome, he can change our character. So here it says from the Srimad Bhagavatam, it says, Sri Krishna, the personality of Godhead, who is the Paramatma, the super soul in everyone's heart, and the benefactor of the truthful devotee, cleanses desire for material enjoyment from the heart of the devotee who has developed the urge to hear his messages, which are in themselves virtuous when properly heard and chanted. And then uh, in, in his commentary to the Isha Upanishad, Prabhupada says, to confirm that the Lord is always pure and uncontaminated, Sri Isha Upanishad describes him as shuddham, antiseptic, and apapavidham. Prophylactic. He is antiseptic in the sense that even an impure thing can become purified just by touching him. The word prophylactic refers to the power of his association. As mentioned in the Bhagavad Gita, chapter 9, text 30 and 31, a devotee may appear to be sudrachaya, not well behaved in the beginning, but he should be accepted as pure because he is on the right path. This is due to the prophylactic nature of the Lord's association. So, because Krishna is so awesome, he makes people who are unawesome uh, awesome. He has that power. So, it's not required that you bring that with you. So, we don't need stuff. We don't need to do awesome things. And we don't need to be awesome to please Krishna. So, what is it that he really wants? If those things aren't the requirements, if those things aren't his, his desire, what is it? And so he mentions this very clearly in, in, in Bhagavad Gita, very, very famous verse you all, all know about. This is Bhagavad Gita 9.32. If one offers me with love and devotion a leaf, a flower, fruit, water, I will accept it. That's what he says. And in the, in the verse it, says, it has two primary things. Bhakti Uparatam, offered in devotion, and bhakja with devotion. You'll notice that the things offered there are not so substantial. A fruit, a flower, water. We already understood the stuff isn't there. But he says, if there is bhakti, if there's bhakti in the offering, and there is bhakta, bhakta, there's, there's devotion there, then Krishna likes it. 
So the one thing Krishna is looking for is bhakti. Prabhupada translates it as devotion. Or even he says here in, his, uh, in, a, in a lecture in the Srimad Bhagavatam, he says, Krishna wants that you offer him something with devotional love. That's all. That's what he wants. He wants that. He wants devotional love. Um, now, Prabhupada says that it's not. We may think that love means that we just have some feeling, right? Some warm feeling in our heart or something. But uh, Prabhupada says no. In the, in his uh, in the nectar of instruction purport, he says devotional service is not a matter of sentimental speculation or imaginative ecstasy. Its substance is practical activity. So the stuff and the deeds, they're not the point, but they're involved. Right? And the definition of bhakti also says that. It's a, the bhakti is defined as anakulyena krishanu shilanam. These are the, the words there. And anakulena means that it's for Krishna's pleasure. It's favorable to Krishna. And, and, and shilanam are activities. Right? So there's activities directed towards Krishna for his satisfaction. The anu part either means in a regular way or following in those who know how to please him. Following in the footsteps of the great devotees of the past. So they know how to please him. So, it's, it's, so action is built right into it. So this devotion isn't just like a warm, fuzzy feeling, but it has to be applied some way. When you have affection for somebody, you want to do something for them. I've slipped in a couple of quotes here from Saint Teresa of Avila. She was, a, I think, a 15th or 16th century Catholic saint, and sometimes she has a way with words that express our devotional moods very succinctly. And so she mentions this, this point here. She says, As I have said, they never spur themselves to greater efforts in, the, in God's service by thinking of the, uh, the glory which they will receive for anything they do. Rather, do they serve him for the satisfaction of their love. And then here, the, For the nature of love invariably finds expression in works of a thousand kinds. So if there is some affection for Krishna, some inclination, we'll want to do something about it. Hmm? This, this nature, the nature of love is that it acts and does something. Hmm? So in that case, because Krishna wants only our devotion, but the stuff, the actions, and who we are are all expressions of that devotion. Hmm? So they're not absent, hmm? but they're not the point. The point is that they're expressions of, of our desire for Krishna. And I guess the, the good illustration of that is, is in the Ramayan. There's the story of, uh, of Lord Ram and the squirrel. When Lord Rama was building the, was having the, building the bridge to Lanka across the ocean, right, uh, Hanuman and the other monkeys were taking these big boulders and throwing them into the ocean. And, and because of, of Lord Ram, they, I think they were writing Ram's name on them and they were floating in the ocean, creating this bridge. And there was this little squirrel who was, you know, he could only take little pebbles. And he was also putting the pebbles in the ocean. And Hanuman almost tripped over him at one point. 
because he's carrying this big rock in his little and so he told him, Oh, you know, what can you do with these little pebbles? You're just in the way. You know, just, just get out of the way. Let let you know, let us big guys take care of this. What are you contributing? And and Lord Ram, he disagreed. The point was he was doing to his each was doing to his capacity. You see. So whether the offering is great or small, whether the endeavor is great or small, Krishna doesn't care about that. He appreciated the, the effort of the squirrel as much as he appreciated the effort of Hanuman because he was doing to his capacity. He was offering whatever he could offer. And so it didn't matter it was just the small pebbles. I mean, he, he could work for a hundred years and never make the bridge. And even if it was slowing down Hanuman and others who were making it faster, that wasn't, the stuff didn't matter. Rama, if he wanted, he could make the bridge himself instantaneously. He could, make, he could dry up the ocean. He could bring Lanka close to shore. He could just make them all, wouldn't even need a bridge, just disappear in Lanka mystically. He could... But so many different things. He could make the surface of the ocean hard. Everybody could walk across. He didn't even need anybody to build a bridge. He could do all those things. But because it gave the devotees a chance to express their love, he was happy for that. So the difference in how much we give, how much we do, how we try to be, the, the value is in, is, is in what was our capacity and how much is our love. So if Hanuman were to bring pebbles, that wouldn't have been so pleasing to Lord Ram. Because he's... The love isn't as much, obviously. He's taking it easy. So the capacity, uh, if, if one is acting in, in, in one's capacity, then Krishna is satisfied. The amount isn't, isn't uh, important. So, so now Prabhupada, and, and we've talked about love, for Krishna. And that's actually uh, an advanced stage. Love for Krishna is not a, a simple thing. You really even shouldn't speak of it so easily. Uh, because love, real love means that you have tremendous concern for the other. In today's world, we oftentimes have uh, a misunderstanding about love. Love is oftentimes desire. You see something or someone who fulfills all of your desires, checks all of your boxes. They will make you happy. And we call that love. But they have value for you. That's desire. Love means you see value residing in the other regardless of how that affects you. Right? Sometimes in English we have, we have this saying, says, you love someone enough to let them go. And you see them as having value, and even if they don't do anything for you, you don't have even any connection with you, you wish them well. So love, real love carries us out of our selfishness and carries us into concern for the other. So love is a powerful thing. And so here, in, in, the, in the commentary to Srimad Bhagavatam 1.6.16, Prabhupada says, 
The first initial stage is called Shraddha. Sometimes that's oftentimes translated as faith, but here Prabhupada gives an interesting translation. Or a liking for the Supreme Lord. I really like that. I thought that was a beautiful thing. A liking for the Supreme Lord. So first of all, we, we, we start out small. Love is something that has to grow, generally. And so we're going to look at, in the time we have left, uh, kind of typical stages that, that, that we can go from liking to love and how that happens a little bit. Okay? So let's... Uh, and there's a certain... Because of the nature of love, there's a certain overall thing that's happening. It says the liking increases and moves towards love as it becomes less about us and more about Krishna. There's this little balance. How much of it is about us? How much of it is about Krishna, our devotion? And as the more it becomes about Krishna and the less about us, the more it's love. And the more the relationships deepen. So we'll, we'll, we'll kind of look at that as we go along. So let's say, let's say, let's take a, a, a typical first step. Hmm? Is that many, many times we're interested in, in Krishna, interested in God. If we have some trouble or we have some lack that we cannot resolve ourselves. Uh, Krishna says this in Bhagavad Gita, two of the types of people that generally approach him, one of them has some burning desire that they cannot fulfill, and some other one may have some difficulty that they cannot resolve. And most of the time you're fine, you're handling your life okay and living well, but there are some times we need supernatural intervention. There's the saying that says, right, there are no atheists in the foxholes. So on the, on the battlefield, sometimes people are ready to call out for some supernatural help, even if they're not inclined to otherwise. So, so that, that's one type. And, and of course, we can appreciate that if we, if we feel that, uh, that, that God is, is able and willing to help us. We can really appreciate that. In fact, it's really extraordinary if you think about it that here's God, the supreme person, the highest person. It says that he's a Sarva Loka Maheshwam, the ruler of all the planets, in fact, all the universes. And he may be willing to listen to our prayer. He may be willing to listen to us about our problem and may even act on that. That's actually fairly extraordinary. Try to meet an important person if you have some problem, and see how do, how easy it is to meet them. Right? If you're just a if you're just a common person, right? if you want to meet you know, even your even your senator, right? there's, there's, maybe you can get a maybe you can get a meeting, maybe not, so to speak of you know somebody higher. Right? Usually, people in elevated positions they will meet with you only if you're significant to them in some way. But Krishna is willing to listen to you. So that's something that can make us have a little affection and appreciation for Krishna. Isn't that amazing? That God can, can deal with you in some way? Hmm? Now, the, here the, the balance is, is still tilted pretty heavily towards us. We have a problem that we need to have solved, and we appreciate that from Krishna. And it's also maybe not so constant, right? Because when the problem is solved, maybe then we... You know, we won't think so much about Krishna. We, we may still be grateful 
Right? So he did that and stuff. But, it, but it, it'll be much more intense when the problem is there. <laughs> and then when it's gone, it's, it reduces a little bit. So, so it's not so steady, and it's more about us. But it's something. You can't ignore that. So, now, this can increase if we understand a little bit more about Krishna. And you can get a generalized gratitude for Krishna's ongoing blessings. If we understand a little bit more about Krishna, he's more than just somebody who intervenes once in a while, if we need it. He's actually involved in our lives uh, all the time. And actually... We also already read the verse where it says that he supplies the needs of all of the other living beings. So actually everything that we need and everything that's dear to us are actually already coming from Krishna. In the 15th chapter, there's a nice little meditation where, where he says that he's the son, and actually what we'll, we'll see here, we'll read, read this next one here, where Prabhupada says in, in, in the purport to Bhagavad Gita 3.12, he says, then again, take for example heat, light, water, air, etc., which are also necessities of life. None of them can be manufactured by the human society. Without the Supreme Lord, there can be no profuse sunlight, moonlight, rainfall, breeze, etc., without which no one can live. And in the 15th chapter, uh, Krishna says that same thing. He says, I'm the light of the sun and the moon. He says that the sun gives us you know, heat and light. The moon, it says, actually gives nutrition to vegetables. He says, he says he's the he's the force that keeps planets in their orbit. Some of the other acharyas say also that he he actually keeps the earth from crumbling to dust, so we're able to have a solid place to walk. And he says also he says I digest the food because <laughs> I'm the fire of digestion. So he's he's actually active in our lives all the time. And so if we're a little aware of that, we can have gratitude for Krishna on an ongoing basis. And that, that's, again, that's a little, bit, it's a little bit more towards Krishna now than it was before. It wasn't just when we needed it. because We realize we always need it and he's always there. So that the interaction can be, can be more continuous and it can be a little bit more about Krishna and a little bit less about us. So this is, this is, a, this is an upgrade. So the initial liking is increasing. Um, and in fact, it, it, usually it says that in, in, the, in the whole Vedic society is based on gratitude. It's understood that everything is coming from higher powers and ultimately Krishna. And so generally people will offer acts of sacrifice. This is understood. Right? You should show some gratitude. In Bhagavad Gita it says if you don't, you're doing it, you're a thief actually. And so I thought I would give a, a little... Uh, a little plug here for uh, for uh, the particular type of sacrifice that's uh, uh, given to us in this day and age. And Prabhupada says that, that Lord Chaitanya, however, inaugurated the easiest performance of yagya or sacrifice, namely the Sankirtan yagya, which can be performed by anyone in the world who accepts the principles of Krishna consciousness. This is what we just did. We chanted Hare Krishna together. And we do that. We do it here. We also maybe at the end, uh, Paula Kaprabhu is, is is doing it uh, every, in public for everyone's benefit every weekend. And so we can announce that maybe at the end when when that happens and where that happens. So we can do it for our own benefit and all together. And we also do it for everybody's benefit. So it's one easy way you can give thanks to Krishna. 
And also the, the words san, the prefix san, the kirtan means to, to sing or to chant or to speak. The san has two senses. One of them is, is collected together, so it means chanting in a group. Uh, but also san has the, the connotation of completeness, like Sanskrit, completely done. So Srila Bhakti Santa Saraswati says that if we chant very intent, attentively, that that also means sankirtan. So we can chant, even we can chant uh, on our beads, or we can chant together. Chanting is, is, a, is this powerful form of sacrifice that we can please Lord if we feel this gratitude. So a, a third stage, you can come even a little bit higher than that because you know, in the, in we, we're, we're thinking about how Krishna is giving us very, very, very many different kinds of blessings. He's, he's required for everything. But we're still kind of, he's there and we're here. There's a little bit of distance still remaining in our conception. There's a little higher stage where we, where we understand that we're actually deeply connected with Krishna and with each other. That there's a deep intrinsic connection between us and Krishna and us and other living beings. Uh, this this is high in the level. This is called high in the mood of mode of goodness. You understand this connectivity here. There's not an isolation. The whole world is is viewed in one sense as a as a great organism. And Prabhupada he like he loves to quote this one verse. This is a this is not the verse, but he's speaking about it. Uh, there's a verse in the Bhagavatam that gives this analogy that when you serve Krishna, it's like pouring the water on the root of a tree. And so, so if, you, if you water the root of the tree, the whole tree gets nourished. Or if you put food in the stomach, so the, the, all the food goes in the stomach, it doesn't go anyplace else, but the benefit goes every place else. Right? Because, the, because the stomach is part of an organism. The, the roots of the tree is part of a greater organism that's connected with each other. There's an interconnectedness. And so here Prabhupada says, if you pour water on the root of the tree, the water reaches to the branches, to the twigs, to the leaves, to the flowers, to the fruits automatically. You simply pour water on the root. That is the system. Take the root and pour water and it will reach. That is the way. Similarly, if you love your society, your friends, your country, your family, yourself, your dog, everything, if you love Krishna, all love will be distributed. So here's a notion that we're all interconnected, and with Krishna and also then with each other. And that if we simply show gratitude to Krishna, show him some devotion, that it benefits us and everybody else. So when you have an organism, you, you, there's, there's, it's a certain integrated entity. You're not alone, you're not isolated, you're connected. And we all share in what's happening, especially when we do something for Krishna. So now again, our connection with Krishna feels deeper. There's a verse in the Isha Upanishad, this is the first mantra, where it says that Krishna is, everything belongs to Krishna, and we have a place, a little quota, it says we have a place in this world. And the intelligent people are happy with that quota that they're given, with their place. They see themselves as being part of this larger thing instead of being completely separate. We're individuals, but we're connected. 
And so if we see it like that, we remain more content. We, we, see, in the, in the other times, we're competing against each other, oftentimes. Right? We see ourselves in competition. That's the, the, the mode of passion, Rajaguna, in competition. But in the mode of goodness, we see this connection between everyone. We see all everyone can succeed. And if we, if they, that can happen if we all, even if we just focus on Krishna, who's the root of all the, all the manifestation. Hmm? So this, this is higher. This is again, we're 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 feeling content with what our situation is, and we're we're looking beyond ourselves. We're remembering Krishna in a more profound and deep way. He's not just the someone who's giving the stuff we need, but he's he's created this whole art system. It's his world. And we're a part of it. And then, from that stage, or if we can do this earlier, we can come to where we become captivated by Krishna. We went from kind of what Krishna can do for us, or is doing for us, we kind of moved from, from what, what he can do to what he does do to the fact that we're really deeply connected. So that's kind of his position. He's the root of everything. Again, that's, you know. The, but then there's something special about Krishna personally is what, what causes people to develop real love for him. They become a... Since Krishna's name, it means all-attractive. He's enchanting. We have uh, rather Madan Mohan here, the one who charms even Cupid. Mm-hmm. Krishna is wonderful. It's not just what, what he does, but who he is. And this is what, what allows people to have real love. At the previous stage, where you see this, this deep connectedness, there are persons who can see God. Great yogis who can who can meditate. There's, there's there's places in this universe where they can see it, where they can see God. And the planets where the great sages live, they oftentimes see him. But and there's great attachment. But there's something missing. There's not full absorption. They think of themselves as persons who can see God. <laughs> There's a little bit of pride in their achievement. So here in, in Srimad Bhagavatam, Prabhupada says, The Lord is the reservoir of all pleasure. His auspicious present, presence is meant for everyone's benediction, and his affectionate smiling and glancing touch the core of the heart. See, now we're not being touched by something Krishna is doing for us. But it says when somebody hears about Krishna or sees Krishna, they can be touched in the core of the heart. And, and, and we don't have to actually see him to do it. Um, in, the, in the Srimad Bhagavatam, in the third canto, it says, persons whose bodily features change in ecstasy and who breathe heavily and perspire due to, and it says also there's tears in there, if you look at the word for word for this one, due to hearing the glories of the Lord, are promoted to the kingdom of God. 
even though they do not care for meditation and other austerities. The kingdom of God is above the material universes, and it is desired by Brahma and the other demigods. So it says, even hearing about him, we can begin to understand how wonderful Krishna is personally. And then, another place we can do it is we, we, have, the, we have Krishna's name, the Hare Krishna mantra. Here it says, certainly that heart is steel-framed, which, in spite of one's chanting the holy name of the Lord with concentration, does not change when ecstasy takes place, tears fill the eyes, and the hairs stand on end. So it's possible for us, through sound, to connect with Krishna. And to understand something of how extraordinary he is, and be attracted. And when we can capture a little bit of Krishna's attractiveness, then it becomes so much more about Krishna, and so little about us. It says that when, when somebody comes into contact with Krishna in a, in a profound way, immediately they feel like all their desires not only have been fulfilled, but were petty. That just Krishna's existence is a cause of extreme celebration. That someone so wonderful, and who is interested in us, exists, is better than anything else that you've ever conceived of. There's a rejoicing that happens. This is the beginning of this love. Um, and here it says, it looks like this. This is uh, about Narad Muni when he, in his past life. He said, O Vyasadev, at that time, this is when he was able to see Krishna, at that time being exceedingly overpowered by feelings of happiness, every part of my body became separately enlivened, being absorbed in an ocean of ecstasy. I could not see both myself and the Lord. Meaning that the concentration was so amazing. So I'm going to bring back St. Teresa of Avila. She has something that's really cool about this, this sort of thing. And I think it explains it quite nicely. With just, like, with, just like what Narad Muni said. She says, she says, first there is a self-forgetfulness. So it's not a loss of self. It's a self-forgetfulness, which is so complete that it really seems as though the soul no longer existed because it is such that she has neither knowledge nor remembrance that there is either heaven or life or honor for her. So entirely is she employed in seeking the honor of God. So Prabhupada says a very similar thing in, uh, in, in, the, in, the, in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, where he says that the, the pure devotees have no way of sensing happiness except by seeing that Krishna is happy in all respects. So the absorption in Krishna is so great. Like right now, if I ask you how you're doing, you can tell me very easily. Probably nobody's going to say, man, let me check. We know. We're monitoring the situation very carefully. But there may be times when we're absorbed by something that's really captivating that we may, we may not notice so greatly. 
So when when Krishna's attractiveness has so overpowered us, says the the persons who have real love, they only can think of Krishna. They don't see a separate interest. They don't they don't worry about. They 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 don't have any. There's nothing left. No concentration. No consciousness. No nothing left for them to. It's as if they, you know, they don't exist. Individually, they don't have separate needs. They just have a desire to to repay this beautiful fortune of being able to be in contact with Krishna. She says they are so employed in seeking the honor of God that they hardly remember whether they're whether there's heaven or hell or life or honor, whatever it is. They just that's it. It's a complete absorption and captivation. And at this point. Krishna says that such devotees, he says, this is in the Srimad Bhagavatam, he says, says the devotees have only me in their hearts and they know only me. And I have only them in my heart and know only them. Mm-hmm. So at that stage, it's reciprocated. Krishna's attention is on us and our attention is in him. This is real love. When there's only concern about the other and it's mutual. This is what's open to us. If we can increase our initial interest and affection. And that's where the other things come in. Um, Prabhupada mentions here, he says, and in order to increase that liking, one has to associate with pure devotees of the Lord. The third stage is to practice the prescribed rules and regulations of devotional service. This will dissipate all sorts of misgivings and remove all personal deficiencies that hamper progress in devotional service. We talked in the beginning about the different, the different aspects of devotional service. Those become particularly relevant if we have developed some liking and particularly if we want to try to take that liking to the ultimate there's a process that will help us to do that. That's called sadhana and bhakti. But the whole thing is, is about our desire to please Krishna. That's the one currency that sets, that Krishna accepts and desires. So even so whether we do we may do wonderful things, but if there's no devotion, it doesn't matter. And if we're not capable of doing so many wonderful things, but we do what we can, that's accepted by Krishna. And reciprocated by him. He appreciates it. Krishna's grateful. So step by step, we can try to increase this liking. Develop it and increase it. So so thank you. Are there uh, comments or questions? Complaints? Complaints? Corrections, (laughs) Corrections, <laughs> anything such things are, we'll take them. If you, if you have. All right. Well, thank you. Comment. Comment. Mm-hmm. often said that um, you shouldn't work in such a way. You shouldn't demand to see God, but you should work in such a way that God wants to see you. Hmm. Yeah, he. It was, we often because the other the real fact is, we can't see him. He reveals himself when he's pleased. 
he says he's he is, was it Nahambrakasha Sarvasha Yoga Maya he's covered by his Yoga Maya. There's nothing we can do that, that would allow us to see God. But if he if he is pleased with us, he will want to see us and he will show himself to us. Yeah, well, see that when when he says that, and he he also mentions in the, in the in the two verses previous to that, he 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 mentions to Arjuna. He says, "You are very dear to me, Ishtasi," and because you're dear to me, he's he's advising him to take up the path of devotional service. You know, that always think of me. You know, offer me obeisances and these kind of things. And and, and there's in that uh, in that Ishtasi, there, there's a connotation of longing. So Krishna. Because he wants to be in that kind of a relationship. He wants us to increase that liking. Mm -hmm. So when Krishna says then to, then to give rid of all other paths and simply surrender unto me, he's saying, come on, let's, take, let's, let's increase this liking. <laughs> this will help you to increase this liking. Let's enter into a deeper relationship. He wants, so he, it's good for you and, good for, and pleasing to me. This is also what I want. So yeah, don't forget everything else. Come on, you know. You, you have the opportunity to be so deeply connected with me. What else is there? There's something in this world that's better than that? Really? So just give it up. Yeah. Yeah. That will allow the liking to increase. You know? All right, well, thank you for your patience. <laughs>